So this is, uh, Colin has been doing a really good job on Mind Matters, and we're going to do Mind Matters again, but we're going to just take a slightly different look at it. But before we get into that and talk about trust, just want to recap some of the buzz phrases that Colin has been sharing in his messages in the last number of weeks. So what we think about God, about ourselves, about each other is of the highest importance. Proverbs 23 verse 7, for as he thinks in his heart, so he is. We must be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We need to exercise responsibility for what's going on in our minds. Those who live according to the flesh, it says in Romans 8, 5 to 7, set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. The mind of the flesh is death, but the mind of the Spirit is life and peace because the mind of the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Our minds need rewired from the old circuits. The thought plus the feeling equals reality, supplemented by past experience, speculations of the future, and the experience of others is not the way we should be wired to think. Your destiny lies beyond your strongholds. The fears that have assailed our lives are designed to keep us from our destinies. We must tear down the strongholds of the enemy and build up brick by brick the stronghold of God in our lives. And the only stronghold, the only stronghold, the only stronghold you want in your life is Psalm 27, verse 1, which says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And we don't assess the truth. We accept the truth. John 8, 32, then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And the no is from the the Greek word gnosko, a hands-on, personal, connected relationship experientially know the truth. Same word is used for uh, when Adam knew Eve. Intimacy, oneness, togetherness with that truth so that we own it, we live it, and we are free. And all these uh, points, by the way, I have just, uh, with very little uh, touching, I have copied and pasted from Colin's notes, which he sent to me earlier in the week, just to recap on where we're at with that. And the final one, which is a really good one, any area we do not give up in and we overcome will envision and prophesy to others that they can do the same. Let me read that out again. Any area we do not give up in and we overcome will envision and prophesy to others that they can do the same. So one of the phrases that Colin used repeatedly from the front was, it's hard. Remember, I think he was over here. He's going, it's hard. It's so very hard. And that whole trying to work this sort of mind matters out, trying to understand what's going on, it's just so hard. What I'd say to you is nothing, absolutely nothing that we have value in life for is easy. 
think, just think of anything. Think of something uh, practical you do. Uh, uh, you're you're going to cook in the kitchen, right? You're trying to get that recipe down. And you try it again, it doesn't work. Oh, you, you, or you're, you're trying to build something if you're uh, good with your hands and you're not wishing to sort of go sexist there, but uh, the DIY stuff, you're trying to get it to work, you're trying to put it together, and you try it again, it doesn't work, and then you did this stupid thing of uh, cutting rather than measuring. Tw- is it measure twice, cut once, isn't that right? Oh. When you finally get it, you have a value for what you're, you're, you're doing, or you employ somebody to do it for you because you realize this is just way too hard and too difficult. But whatever we, in, in the practical, in the, in the relas- relational things, like our church and our journey that we're on is about open, openness, transparency, and honesty. And that sometimes requires us having some awkward, difficult conversations. We're getting our hearts out there. We're seeing where we're at. But because we value relationship, when we get the other side of that conversation, whatever, it's so much better. But it's hard. It can be difficult. Academia, trying to study for things or work things out. Like, what's the point? I remember as a student, it was actually a two-week period, all these separate subjects when I was studying, trying to learn how to test eyes. And we had all these sort of weird things that didn't seem to relate to what I was going to do in a, a, a daily life in connecting with people. It was the third year, and over a period of about two weeks, everything suddenly seemed to connect and integrate. I could see why I had to do all that I had to do. But it was hard. Like, but things that we have a value for are difficult. Okay, so think of yourselves trying to do this mind matter thing, right? And you're working on it and you're trying to control your thoughts and you're, and you're trying to uh, stay focused and in the middle of all that suddenly there's a light and it, it dazzles you and it gets your attention and that light is trust. It's trust. It comes to you and it startles you and it calls you and compels you and convicts you to respond to trust. And actually, if you get on trust and if you get that dynamic of, I'm not having that, it's so, so hard trust. Hey, hang on a second, I can just mosey on down the road here. And suddenly things get a lot easier because we trust. So what, for the short period we have uh, this morning, I'm going to hammer on about trust. I'm going to hammer on about the need for us to trust. I'm also going to explain why that is quite difficult. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in in your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. Isaiah 26, verses 3 and 4. If there was a sound bite Bible, and all the theologians go ballistic if there was a sound bite Bible, because you're cutting corners like mad. But if there was a sound bite Bible, you could do it like this. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. On all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Or Trust in him and everything will be all right. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord, the Lord himself is a rock eternal. Or in a soundbite, trust in him and you will find perfect peace. 
Psalm, 26, Psalm 62, verse 8. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Or trust in him, and everything will be rock solid. Psalm 91. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my rock and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Trust in him and the mind doesn't matter. It's all over. James 4, 7, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. If we can trust and we apply trust to our lives, it's all over. That's what it says in the Word. That's what it says in the Word. Therefore, why does the reality of what we know to be true not manifest itself in the reality of our lives and existence. What's the disconnect? Because let's face it, the truth of Scripture is undeniable. And, you, and I, I think you're probably sitting there going, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, 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 uh-huh. Says that in Scripture. Yep, yep, you're, yep, that's right. But you know and I know that we struggle with some of those issues in the application. So what is that? What is that all about? Well, it's a good old, bad old worldview, okay? Because of our circumstances, our situation, our education, the experience of life, we have a pair of glasses on our face, like a pair of sunglasses, that as far as we're concerned, that's what the world's like, and it darkens and it diminishes the real truth of what Scripture says. Erwin McManus, who is the pastor of a very large church called Mosaic in Los Angeles, says people have given up on the truth because they don't believe anyone can be trusted. You can add to this list. We've got bankers, estate agents, politicians, all the institutions and people in authority associated with all the child abuse scandals, health scandals, cover-up in the media, fake news, and on and on and on. So culturally, we have this default position. I right, I'm going to Google it because Google's totally reliable, or I'm going to see what other people say about things. But there's a there's a cultural uh, distrust, mistrust of virtually everything and anything, and that's also been fed in by people's personal experience. Whether it's a cool caller to yeah, let's do lunch, or yeah, I'll phone you, I'll phone you, I'll phone you. Or some terrible and, and difficult trauma in, in your life or traumas in your life that have really totally undermined and shattered your concept of, of trust, especially when it's involved somebody who you have given your heart to and you have loved. So there's a worldview, there's a personal experience, and then as a result of that, we cannot separate or sometimes even see the difference between our experience of life and the world from how we view God. So we're guarded, we're veiled, we're cautious towards him, and we are unable to see who he really is and that he will do exactly what he says he will do. And he is not like everyone else. I mean, after all we've experienced of our culture, of our personal experience, why would, we, why would we trust anybody? Why would we put ourselves in that position? Why would we trust him completely? We judge humanity and divinity by the same standard. Now, hear me, 
We're not talking about condemnation. We're not talking about judgment here because Romans 8 verse 1 says there's no condemnation in those that are in Christ Jesus. So it's not about condemnation and it's not about judgment. But it might be about conviction. So as, as you hear this, if things are, if you're getting nailed by the Spirit, and the way the Spirit does that is he's specific about things. Satan spews. Yeah. He, he condemns. He judges. But the, the Spirit goes, yeah, you need to sort that out. There's a, there's a disconnect that. Let that touch you. Let that impact you today. Now, I'm not being complacent or dismissal of life's experiences or circumstances. But we as individuals have a choice and a responsibility. We can be objective, accept the truth and not assess it based on our own thoughts and feelings, or we can be subjective and let our thoughts plus our feelings equal reality. So we need to fix this disconnect by uh, sorting out the connection and getting separated. What I mean by that? Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. We need to separate our soul from our spirit. Earlier verse, For those who are living according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh which gratify the body, the soul. For, but those who are living according to the Spirit set the, their minds on the things of the Spirit, His will and purpose. So our soul, our mind, will and emotions will always put our own self-centered interests and our appetites first, which is, of course, fueled and funded by our experiences and circumstances. So... From our point of view and our soul's point of view, we are absolutely, completely justified in our position. And sometimes we go, no soul, you know, that's not... The soul is totally justified in its position uh, when exercising the wine, the wine, the mind, will, and emotions to be cautious, to be guarded, to be veiled, because stuff has happened. So we don't want to miss that. But we do want to embrace the negative reality of that and not fall for the lie and the worldview that trust no one. And if we do that, if we yield to that, we reap the fruit of the soul. Fear, anxiety, lack of trust. John 3, 6 says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. Our spirit needs to connect to God, who is spirit. Then we can access that which comes from the mind of the spirit because we have the mind of Christ. And the mind of Christ will produce no fear. 2 Timothy 1.7, we have not been given a spirit of fear, no anxiety. Philippians 4.6, do not be anxious about anything, no lack of trust. Psalm 91 verse 2, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And then the biblical kingdom worldview is reinforced, trust him. Trust him. And our spirit connects, and we are in a process of transformation. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image. The destination 
Jesus Christ, with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, people might go, well, you don't know my situation. You don't know my history. And I would simply, in humility, reply to that, you don't know mine. And like all of us, I can list, and I'm going to read it out, and I'm thinking, whoa, yeah, right. I can list how my heart's been broken in circumstances in life by friends, family, leaders, members of the body of Christ, bosses, circumstances, persecution, terrorists, tragedies, sickness, suicides, cancers, wars, and on and on and on and on. And I totally understand that 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 can make it really very hard to trust. But we cannot use it as an excuse to explain why we will not embrace the absolute truth. It's a good excuse. Your soul can scream and my soul can scream from the rooftops. This is what happened. I mean, they totally, they totally, they totally left me out to dry. And I thought they were with me and they were, the soul has every right to do that. It's a good excuse. But it's not good enough for not trusting and accepting a biblical kingdom worldview and its truth. Okay, so having divided our soul and spirit, then we connect our spirit with his spirit and we trust. And then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. So we need to trust. Trust is a personal, intimate, gnosko, first-hand experience, relationship with Jesus Christ by his spirit with our spirit. Now, was it was a Tuesday where the Las Vegas shootings took place? Like, like, what do you say about that? There was a guy called John Fippen, uh, 56 years of age, and he threw his, his body on his son, Travis, and he took the bullets for his son, and he died, and his son lived. Now, that really, there are lots of stories about what happened there. That really moved me. That really caught me open. I was thinking, well, would I do that? I like to think I would. When I think of my son, my son is uh, an adult and he's now got two sons. Would I do it for my grandchildren? In an instant. Now get this, okay? Get this. The father sent the son to take the bullets of sin, past, present, and future, from now until he returns, from before the, uh, when man walked the earth, the sin of Adam and Eve, until he returns. He sent his son to take those bullets for us. He threw himself on humanity to save us. And we're going, ah, I don't know. Because, you know, I, I don't know. That's our soul screaming and shouting. Our spirit has to go, of course, of course, of course I trust you. You sent me your son. Your son sent the spirit to walk beside me, to be my comforter, to be my guide. Of course. Second Timothy 2 verse 13 says, God is 
faithful. He does not have off days. It says if we are faithless, he remains faithful. True to his word and his righteous character, for he cannot deny himself. Do you get that? He, he cannot, he cannot not be faithful. He cannot not be faithful. Therefore, if we're going, I don't know whether I can trust him, it's not him. It's not him. We've got to trust. We've got to know. We've got to get that relationship with him. And if we're in a situation where we're going, listen, that's all well and good, but this happened to me. And God didn't show up. This happened to me and it, it damaged my trust in him. In love and in humility, that's your soul talking. I guarantee you it's your soul talking. I guarantee if you get the, in, in the council, if you talk to that, come and see Colin, come and see myself, we'll, we'll talk, we'll pray. There's some disconnect because God cannot not be trusted because God cannot do that. It, he cannot do that. He cannot deny himself. He cannot do it. So when we really gnosco know the one whom we trust, the sound bite Bible becomes our reality. Trust him and everything will be all right. Trust him and you will find perfect peace. Trust him and everything will be rock solid. Trust him and the mind doesn't matter. It's all over. So what happens in worship? Is Mark a crazy boy? Or when he goes, oh, I'm just trying to get away, you know, like he's really in his presence, blah, blah, blah. When he comes to see him, what? Like, is he a crazy boy? At times you might think so, but most of the time you don't. So what happens? What happens is in worship, get this, it's spirit and truth. It's not the soul. We maybe had a bad day, but when we get that spirit and truth connection in worship, everything is all right. Everything comes into place because our spirit is worshiping. Our spirit is connected with the God who is spirit and everything else fades away. It doesn't disappear. It fades away in that connection, in that knowing that you know him, he knows you by your spirit, and everything else falls into place. And then we play the last chord, and we let the soul come back in, and we go default back to position. We want to live our lives where we're in that spirit-to-spirit connection. And if we do, the mind doesn't matter. So, Trust. What is trust anyway? Trust is the application, the active application of faith. Good example would be falling backwards. Anybody really not like to fall backwards? You know when somebody's going to catch you? Anybody got any issues with that? So it's like if I said, uh, uh, or I walked up to a stranger and uh, looked him in the eye and Glen Gormley there and said, if I fell backwards, would you catch me? Uh, of course I would. And Mark's down beside me, and then he goes, go on then. So that's what, that's what trust is. It's about actually being active about it, not talking about it, not theorizing about it, not believing, because the guy's six foot six, but actually, okay, right, do it. That's what trust is. So how do we trust, okay? We're, we're coming near the line, but this is the, this is the goal here, right? We have to identify the distraction dynamics, Right? So we're on destination road. 
right, towards the destination, Jesus Christ. We are, obviously I've changed direction now. We're going here. It goes better for the analogy. So we're on destination road, right down the middle there. We're heading for Jesus. We're destination disciples. We're getting transformed. We're getting changed. We're getting it together step by step. Sometimes it's a couple of steps back, but we're on the road. But for many of us, we're, we're being distracted to the sidelines with mind matters. No, I am worthy. I am chosen. You're engaging with lies. You're, in, you're engaging with lies. You're getting distracted. You're getting taken over to the side. You're getting taken out from the destination of Jesus Christ and wholeness and fullness and spiritual health. The deception, the distractions, the delays. And I have to say that sometimes I find it absolutely heartbreaking. When I, 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 I want to just try, just trust just because when we trust, then we realize, hang on a second, trust is the white line of destination road. If I, just, if I just trust, it doesn't matter what they say. I'm just walking to that destination. I'm not interested in what you have to say. Shut the front door, back door and every other door that's getting into my mind and giving me a headache and a pain that I'm actually going, I'm just, it's so hard. Move your butt in the other direction and head down the white line of trust. And when you do that, everything changes. Everything changes. Everything changes. We need to embrace the destination dynamics. Not the distraction dynamics, the destination disciples of that white line of trust and go after it and be after it. That's what it means by submit to God, then resist the devil and he will flee from you. If we submit to God, who is God? God is faithful. God cannot deny himself and he's saying, you come down this soundbite white line, you trust me and it's all over. You're going to have perfect peace. It's all going to be grand and dandy and we're not going to be skipping about in daisies, but it's going to be all right. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. And then Satan can't get at you because you're not paying any attention to him. You're too busy trying to get down that road. So, to finish... Three trust analogies, which may or may not, not help you in, in trying to get your head around this. The first one is the abandon of falling backwards. So you're just going, okay, God, I trust you. Okay? And you're just going to fall backwards. So I, for one, don't have a problem with uh, falling backwards. I have, in fact, there was a guy, we did a summer club in Rosary Presbyterian Church many, many years ago. And the arrangement was that I would do a talk and it would be about trust. And some point in that talk, I would fall backwards. The person who was going to catch me was off at the side. In a, in a, there's a door at the side of the hall. There was an adjoining, it was like a store, and there was a door at the other end, right? And when I started to fall backwards, he would run out and catch me just before I hit the ground, right? So I'm talking, and as I'm talking... I at the point just as I'm talking, and actually it was quite weird because I was realised he's going to catch me. I'm falling backwards, but I'm just going to continue to talk, and I started to fall backwards. At the moment I started to fall backwards, as this guy was in the, the, the cupboard in the room, somebody opened the far door, and he turned his head, and when he turned his head again, I, w- I had actually committed to falling. So he ran out, and he literally caught me just before I hit the ground. Right? It was like, because you know like normal people, or sometimes they catch you at 45 degrees and then they bend their knees and something. <laughs> but I was committed to going, because I trusted him, to just 
falling backwards. And sometimes, you know, uh, the other uh, variation of that would be just falling forwards, falling off the cliff, jumping out of the, the airplane, step of faith on the, out of the boat, whatever it happens, but it's just that abandon. You know what? Oh, God. You're just going to trust him. Okay? The other side of that is the recklessness of the flying angel. Right? So a flying angel, we used to do this in BB, you've got a trumpet, you've got a horse, you go flying down the, the, the hall and you hit the trumpet as hard as you can and you launch yourself straight up in the air, right? Going forward, the instructor puts his hands on your chest and your feet come down, right? So when I was about 13 or 14, there's a BB display, we're doing all the, the box work and then at the end of the routine, you come around to your side and you shout down what you're going to do because you're going to do your, uh, your, your whatever you decided, your exercise and then you go down and do that. So I went, long flying angel. They didn't hear me, right? So a long flying angel is where the, the box is lengthways and you hit it and you have to really fly, right? They didn't hear me. So as I was running down, I was thinking, it's funny, there's nobody at the end of the box, right? So uh, there was an instructor on one end and there was an instructor at the other side and I hit it as hard as I could and I just flew. And as I flew, they said, oh my goodness, there's somebody coming and they took an arm each and I was okay. But there's an element in trust where what we got to do is we just got to go for it. I mean, I've got to go for this. I have got to trust him. And that requires me being as reckless and and audacious as I can be. And I'm just going to dive into his arms because there's nothing else I can do. And then the third and final analogy is the one of the Father's hand. So I've been reading a book called by... uh, Listening to God by Joyce Huggett, it talked about finding an atmosphere, an environment where you can connect with God. And so in this period of my life, I got into the, the kids were out. It was a very significant period of my life where I was searching to connect with God. Kids and Hillary were out, went into the front room, put the lights on because God only comes to a nice place in those days. You know, have to set the lighting right or other week if I'm not coming there. has to be the, the best room. I had a chair beside me and I just waited for God in a, in a way that I couldn't really explain at the time, but I just was hoping that he would come. And as I waited, I had a sense that there was a presence in the other chair. There were no lights. There were no loud sounds. There was no, there, it was just a sense that in my spirit, I would say now, that he was there and he put his hand out. That's, and, and I physically put my hand out to nothing that was there in the, in the natural. And I held his hand, and it was like God said, come on then. Now, in my experience of trust, it can be holding his hand and, and being led through uh, the fields of daisies, and it's all great, and it, I, I don't really know what's happening, but I've got his hand, and everything is all right. The other extreme of trusting, it's like the final season, scenes in some adventure movie. The helicopter's come and it's connected me to the, to, it's around my waist, but everything's fallen and I'm shooting people and it's crazy and I don't know that I'm going to live. It looks as though I'm definitely going to die and I'm hanging on and just hanging on and it's trust and it's all that I've got. But everything around me looks as though it's going down the tubes. That's what trust is all about. It's about trusting him who is faithful and will never, ever, 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 ever let us down. Because he cannot, 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 cannot deny himself. So if you're asking that question, if you're struggling with that, it's your soul yapping in your ear. It's the 
enemy yapping in your ear, but it's not your spirit. Because if your spirit connects to his spirit, everything becomes true, everything becomes real, and the mind doesn't matter. Nathan, can you come up, please? So on one hand, trust is really simple. And on the other hand, trust and trusting in the absolute truth is incredibly hard. But in this basic simplicity, all we have to do is to embrace the truth and the kingdom biblical reality. Gnosko known in relationship that he is who he says he is and he will do exactly what he says he will do. Will you stand with me please? I have some questions for you. As we've been, if you've been listening to this message, do you need to renounce and repent of mistrust, doubt, unbelief regarding who God is, who he says he is, and what he will do? Would you be willing to take authority today in a new way and tell your soul to shut up, stand aside, and connect evermore in your spirit with him? And would you be willing to trust the one who is faithful in abandon, recklessness, and or intimacy to the one who is faithful? If you can say yes to any of those questions, Please, come and join me at the front.